This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. Another big show coming your way. We're going to speak to a guy who, well, is part of a very special family, the Triple Eight family, Cameron Hill. Got accepted into that a week or so ago. We'll talk to him about that move and also what will be happening with uh, Cameron Hill Racing and uh, the cars that they currently have in Porsche Cura Cup and Formula Ford. Dale Rogers will be here shortly to wrap up all the F1 news from us from what was an exciting weekend in Brazil, a very special win to Lewis Hamilton. And we'll wrap up all the supercars news with Richard Crail and Mark Walker a little bit later on as well. But firstly... Some big news. And as we go to air, so does the press release go out into the ether that the Bathurst 12-hour is on and as big as ever. And to tell us all about it, Richard Crowell joins us here in the newsroom. Hello, Richard. <laughs> it's nice to be joining you this early in the show, to be honest with you, Shebex. Um, it doesn't happen too often. No, it doesn't. I like it. And w- <laughs> we've got news. Well, we have. News. We apologise to everyone who yes. expected our podcast to drop yesterday, but as has well, been the case in the last two months, we knew something was brewing. Yeah, and yeah. we didn't know what until you got a phone call yesterday. Yeah, uh, and so we're now, as we talk, it's Thursday morning Australian time, um, and the news when this goes live, the news will be out that the Liquamoli Bathurst Twelve Hour is back next year on the 25th, 26th, and 27th of February at Mount Panorama, which is incredible news. It's been speculated about for a while, but we can lock it in 100% that the 12-hour will return after a year's absence due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But you're right. For those that follow the show and understand our pain, we normally record on a Tuesday night. Now, the rest of the show has already been recorded on a Tuesday night, but we've decided to for these unprecedented times in which we live to hold the show for two days so we can get this news in at the top because it came to us on Wednesday that this was um, that this was coming out. So, look, it's in all seriousness, aside from our news-breaking efforts being utterly atrocious and us finally getting one back for the good guys, <laughs> um, it's great news, isn't it? Like this, well, it this- is good news because it signifies the start of a normal racing year here in Australia. Mm. I mean, the last few years has always started with the Bathurst 12-hour and everything else has flowed on really nicely from that. So what it does is it starts to bring some normality back into our racing calendar. Yeah, it does. And, and, it, and it commits to one of the best events in Australia. Now, I'm incredibly biased for those that know. I've had an involvement in the Bathurst 12-hour since it came back in 2007 and headed up the comms since 2011 and obviously called every one of them. And it's a very, very special race for me personally, but I think it's a very special race for Australian motor racing on the global landscape now in terms of its stature, its international reach, the audience that tunes in um, and the effect it has on manufacturers that come and compete because Remember back to 2020, which feels like a thousand years ago now, but the last major international event pretty much in Australia, I think the Women's World Cup T20 final was after that. But aside from that, probably the last major international event held in Australia prior to the pandemic and the scenes of Bentley winning. Bentley have been racing for a hundred years 
And they said after the race, it was one of the most significant victories in their history, mm. winning Bathurst. So that that's what the race means. It means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, to walk you through the timeline of how this date has evolved, um, lots of controversy a couple of weeks ago when SRO, who basically run GT3 racing around the world and who have a, an involvement in the Bathurst 12-hour via the Intercontinental GT Challenge, um, they announced a date in March for the event. Um, that date clashed with the Sebring 12-hour and the Sebring IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship event uh, and WEC World Endurance Championship event, I should say, yeah. in Florida. Um, and and while you might go, oh, well, it clashes with the World Championship and the American Sports Car Championship, why does that matter? It's like, well, most of the brands that run in Intercontinental GT Challenge field cars in those series and all of their gun go-to drivers will be at Sebring. So if you're Porsche and you've got Matt Campbell on the books, you want him in WEC at Sebring, not at the Bathurst 12 hour, but you yeah. want him to be able to do both. So there was that issue aside. There were media issues. The, the international side of it was bigger. Did it fit better with the Australian calendar? Maybe, maybe that's maybe why they wanted it that date. But, um, but I think this, this February date, it's, it's a couple of weeks later than it usually is in early February, but I think it works really well from an Aussie calendar point of view. And what a way to start the year, Shebex, to we'll go from Bathurst 12 out. The week later will be the Newcastle 500 mm. and that amazing straight circuit. New South Wales contribute an enormous amount to the motorsport economy in terms of supporting major events. So that's going to be really good for the state. It's going to be a great two-week road trip. I'm going straight to <laughs> I'm going straight to Newcastle. I'm yeah, going to go home. You. Yeah. Just pop straight across and have some time on the in the Hunter I, and then go down like the quarry, see all the, the sites around there and rock into Newcastle on the Thursday to go car racing again. You might actually find that the Hunter is comparable to the Barossa. That's a big call. Jeez. Mm. Nothing is comparable to the Barossa <laughs> Valley, Tony Shibeki. So look, well, I, you're I think you're extremely biased. Oh, completely and utterly. <laughs> um, I say corrupt when it comes to the Barossa Valley. <laughs> um, I mean, they just built a brewery down my street for crying yeah, out loud. Right. Um, so look, I think it's incredible news, Shebex. I'm so personally pleased that this event is back. Professionally, yes, from my business side of things, it's amazing to be able to work on it again, which is awesome. But um, just for the sport, it's so good to have this certainty. And now we find out who comes. Yep. Now we get to play the game of, okay, well, what, how's it going to work? Yes, international borders are open. They're getting better. There's some international drivers running at Eastern Creek this weekend in S5000, which is sensational. So we've already proved that overseas drivers can get in. By February next year, it's going to be even better. Um, will it be as big a field as it was almost two years ago? I don't know. Possibly not due to the, the late lead time. The, the other thing to remember, Shebex, is that this event, the process for it normally kicks off in July. So as we talk, it's the 18th of November. Yeah. So they're four months behind, if not more, in the whole process of teams and drivers committing and having it in their mind and getting it ready to go. So there's, it's going to be compromised for another year. And I don't think that's talking it down. I think that's just a reality of the world we live in. But um, the fact that it's back, the fact there's some certainty, the fact that it's going to happen is the best possible outcome. Yeah. Um, and I have no doubt that it will be another absolute classic. All right, beautiful stuff. There you go. The Bathurst 12-hour back on the cards late February, and we'll be talking about it heaps right here 
on the grid. Good on you, Krause. Uh, you go and have some breakfast, and then we'll throw you in a time machine and put you back two days. We'll talk in the past a little yes. bit later in the show. We will. I'm just, we've got news on the show that we're breaking. It's amazing, isn't it? This is, it is, this is a first for us. This is Especially that news too. It's great news. You to watch. Talk it's, about. it's it's eight eleven a.m. on Thursday morning as we talk right now, recording this show. There, there's going to be some form of major news at midday today, isn't there? Before this goes no live, doubt. no yeah. doubt. But yeah. we're not holding back. This is no, it. This is no. the show. What this you is much, are Twelve now. hour is much more important. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you were hearing this show now, it's because I'm too lazy to do anything else about it. Yep. Yep. No, that's uh, I get that completely. I'll see well, you later in the yeah, past. Look forward to a bit tomorrow in the show. In the next in about hour, forty minutes time, not even Ma- magic. Oh, I look forward yeah. to that. All right, good on you, mate. Richard yeah. Crowell joining us here. Let's head off to our good friend Dale Rogers to bring us up to date with what's happened in the world of Formula One. Dale, thanks, Tony. Before we get to Brazil, the breaking story in the last forty-eight hours is the new scoop in auto car by respected UK journalist Damien Smith that Volkswagen-owned German giant Audi will reportedly purchase the McLaren Group. But an official statement from the British manufacturer has stomped the brakes on news of an acquisition. Sources close to the UK's auto car claim Audi has reached an understanding to purchase the McLaren Group, including its road car division and its Formula One team. The Formula One team is the one of interest to auto car reports, as it would allow Audi direct access and entry into the sport. And this follows numerous reports that the German brand and its Volkswagen parent was considering a top-tier Formula 1 category entry around 2026. In an official statement, the McLaren Group denied the rumours, stating McLaren Group is aware of a news media report stating it has been sold to Audi. This is wholly inaccurate, and McLaren is seeking to have the story removed, which it appears it has been modified on the autocar website this morning. So, where there's smoke, I guess uh, we'll watch this with interest. So, to Brazil. And Lewis Hamilton may have just delivered the finest performance of his stellar career. The seven-time world champ put on a masterclass, demolishing the field and taking out uh, a great victory against his rival, Max Verstappen, in a thrilling duel. It, uh, it seemed the crowd, always up and about in Brazil, had adopted Hamilton as their own on the weekend, with wild cheering reminiscent more of a Brazilian soccer match than a Formula One race. But Hamilton was not gifted anything in Brazil. He took a new ICE unit, dropping him five grid spots after qualifying, and the sprint on Saturday. That was a given, but he was then disqualified from Friday qualifying. So to explain, Hamilton's Mercedes was found to have breached Article 3.63 of the technical regs, which states the DRS flaps can open up to 85mm. Scrutiny has found that they could push an 85mm gauge through the flap at the edges of the wing, which meant the car failed the test. Mercedes argued that the wing was designed to meet regulations and the centre section of the DRS flap did, so the test failed as a result of fault of inaccurate assembly. The team also said that the gauge would only pass through when scrutinies pushed it and that the gap was within the limit when the force wasn't used. But the weird finale to this story was Max Verstappen poking the rear wing after qualifying as if to suggest it was illegal and copping a €50,000 fine for touching the Mercedes in Parc Fermé. So Hamilton lined up last for the 24-lap F1 sprint on Saturday and carved his way through to fifth. Then taking his five-spot grid drop would line up tenth for the main race. He was up to P5 in the race by lap two and was charging. 
a huge battle ensued when he caught lead of a step on lap 48, only to be escorted off the track at turn four by the Red Bull. The FI stewards called play on, and he tried again a few laps later, finally grabbing the lead on lap 59, streaking away to win by over 10 seconds. Uh, there were other cars running in the South Polo Grand Prix, but frankly they may well have stayed in the garages. So, so was the focus on Hamilton and Verstappen. So now, Tony, we head to Qatar, a favourite of MotoGP, and Saudi Arabia for two brand new tracks for F1. This battle may well go down to the wire. Back to you in the studio, Tony. Thanks for that, Dale. All right, that's all the news. Let's get straight into the show. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, catching up with Cameron Hill. First of all, Cameron, congratulations on the great news. The deal with Triple Eight for next year is a fantastic deal to get. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, I'm very much looking forward to um, starting with the team next year and, you know, taking on a new challenge. Um, haven't driven a supercar yet, so um, I'm looking forward to the ch- uh, yeah, get my hands behind the wheel. It's going to be a totally different deal for you, isn't it? You've been in charge of your own destiny for such a long time through Cameron Hill Racing. Now, all of a sudden, you're racing for someone else. Yeah, that's a big shift. Um, like you said, I've been sort of we've been running our own team for my whole career through Formula Ford, Toyota 86, and even Porsche Carrera Cup. So um, I'm actually looking forward to the shift. Um, probably just it might give me a bit more bandwidth to actually just focus purely on driving uh, rather than stressing about um, all the other things that go along with the race weekend. So um, I think it'll only be a benefit. Part of a two-car development series, a Dunlop series. Uh, team in that development series, so uh, that's nice. You, you've got you're going to have a teammate, I suppose, that's going to help you with data and, and the like. Yeah, obviously having a teammate's always great to be able to bounce things off and compare data because you know you'll always be doing something different and you know you can learn off each other. But the other great thing about um, the whole Triple Eight environment is obviously having access to their main game guys and the engineers, obviously Shane, uh, Brock next year, and they'll have historical data from Jamie in those cars. So, you know, that will be really, really useful, and hopefully I'll be able to just feed off that to get myself on the pace. You talk about the challenge ahead for you. What about the challenge ahead for Brock? Amazing start for him, isn't it? Oh, I mean, for Brock, it must be just super exciting to be probably in one of the best seats uh, in the main game um, and to follow in the footsteps of you know a legend which is Jamie Winkup so um, I think we'll all be watching him with um, eagerness to sort of see how he does. Speaking of Jamie he's going to be the boss next year uh, you've probably known him for a while do you think we're going to see much change in Jamie from driver to boss? Uh, maybe uh, I think um you know, he's when it comes to motorsport and racing, he's got a very high racing IQ. And so, um, when I was talking to him on the weekend at Eastern Creek, we were just discussing the tyre strategy, and you could see he had a light bulb moment. And um, you know, I think he's um, always in that uh, mindset of how can you know we get the best results. And so, to have a guy like him in our corner, um, I think it's only going to be a valuable asset. But <laughs> the great thing for you is also pretty much guarantees you an enduro drive with Triple Eight which isn't a bad thing? Oh, we haven't got that far. Okay. Um, we don't know what the uh, enduro lineup will be. Um, obviously, if I can do a good job on track, um, hopefully it does lead to opportunity um, to race at Bathurst. Got a couple of guys you've got to knock out, though, don't you? Garth Tander, who's been there for a couple of years now and done such a great job with Shane. And we believe that Jamie's probably still going to take the other one. Then there's Craig Lowndes after. So there's a few ahead, isn't there? Yeah, it's a, it's a very stacked roster, uh, and I'm coming in as the rookie. But, um, look, we'll just see how the year plays out. Um, you know, there's rumours about 
you know them running a third car again next year so uh, there might be opportunity there um, but I'm just sort of focusing on the rest of this year I've still got two more Carrera Cup rounds and then I'll you know switch my attention to, to next year and running uh, and I'll switch my attention to those Carrera Cup rounds because they're pretty exciting for you. There's so many points available and the championship pretty much up for grabs this year. Uh, we go to Bathurst on at the start of December and then pretty much straight away to uh, the bend after it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty packed schedule for us. Um, we're going to have two rounds at Bathurst followed by another round at Tail and Bend a week later. So... Um, it's going to come down to who's the most prepared, um, who, who's coming into the event um, with all their ducks in a row. So I'm feeling pretty confident. Um, you know, we've rolled out of the truck really strong at every round. Um, and Bathurst and Tail and Bend are, are both tracks that I really enjoy and I think we've got a strong package. So um, we're in a nice, healthy position where we've got a good points buffer. And so it's just about being um, smart and scoring good points. Bathurst is a tough one, isn't it? As you said, two rounds of Bathurst. You don't want to mess the car up in round one because you're going to miss out on a, on a great opportunity. Exactly. So you do have to drive with that in mind. Um, you know, obviously you can't control um, everything, um, but I think you know we'll be doing our best to, to qualify well and then um, obviously manage the race. Um, obviously. The, the safest place is probably in the lead um, so that's what we'll be aiming for Your Carrera Cup car from this year will head down to the Cup Challenge next year obviously the new cars are coming in for Carrera Cup next year Thomas Sargent's been locked in for that role which is fantastic for him, he's showing so much promise in the Formula Ford Australia National Series Yeah, it'll be really exciting to run Tom next year in our team, CHE Racing um, in my current Carrera Cup car um, I think it's going to be a good step for him. You know, I know how big the step was to, to, to go to Carrera Cup. You know, I wish I had, you know, 12 months in that sort of intermediate category. Um, you know, you can do a lot of your learning, making mistakes. Um, and then when you do arrive in, you know, Carrera Cup, uh, you'll, you'll be prepared and, um, you know, you'll look good straight away. So I think it's a good step for him. You know, obviously we've got a pretty good package and a lot of data and setup information there for him so um, hopefully he can hit the ground running and get some good results. And with Thomas moving out of the Formula Ford team that gives an opportunity for another great youngster to come through and hopefully take the seat. Exactly um, you know it's looking like Formula Ford's going to have a really strong season um, next year there's not many cars on the market because I think a lot of people are um, getting ready to, to have a good uh, attack on it. And yeah, for us, um, we're looking to sort of fill a couple of seats um, and, you know, sort of continue the form. Obviously, we've got Noah Sands, who's been with us for a year now, and, and he's definitely um, on his way up. So we're looking to obviously attack the National Series with him next year. And I think we'll have a few other drivers joining us as well. I'd love to see a girl come into the championship. Any chance? It's possible. Yeah, uh, watch this space. Um, hopefully we can try put something together soon. Oh, beautiful. Mate, congratulations once again on the deal. Good luck for the remainder of the Carrera Cup season and the Formula Ford season with your team as well. And uh, we'll hopefully catch up in Bathurst. Yeah, cheers, mate. Sounds good. Cameron Hill joining us here on The Grid. Yeah, no, when the whistle go. All right, time to bring in the boys for a chat. Got a lot to talk about as well. Richard Crowell, the race talk.com. Hello, Crowley. Tony Shebecki, how are you? I'm marvellous, thank you. Uh, Mark Walker, hello to you. Tony Shebecki, question for you. Where do yep. we start? Where do we start? Uh, well, we can start by saying that I finally went to a racetrack. Oh, good on you. 
I think it was the first time since the failed Grand Prix of 2020. Oh, bloody hell, really? Yeah, I haven't been on a racetrack since. Wow. Well, you, you've you won or lost. I'm not sure. That uh, that little record among the team TRT people. Wow. Yeah, so that's, a, that's the best part of 18 months. Yeah, it is. It sure is. And I picked Winton, which rained for three days, and it was freezing. Who would have thought that it would still be five degrees in Winton in November? Oh, well, they had snow down to like 800 metres? Or... Yes. <laughs> oh, boy, it was wet. It was wet. But uh, a nice weekend. Doing some work for Formula Ford Australia, and uh, they had the they had the uh, TA a couple of TA twos there as well as the Thundersport cars. It was a uh, it was a oh what's low key? Oh, God, I've just gone absolutely blank. The XL was yeah XL weekend uh, two forty five minute XL races. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic! Looked like the World Championship there. 46, 46 cars on the track at once. Yep. Yeah, it was the Barclana family. There was, uh, yeah, there was absolutely. Steve Richards was there. Steve yep. Richards was there. Yeah, there was a there was a Grice, I think, running. Yes, as there well. was. It wasn't yeah. there. Yeah. So no, it's uh, oh, XLs, the greatest category in the world. Um, yeah. I, ironically, me going to a racetrack is stopping me from doing the South Australian XL enduro. There you go. I had a deal deal done with uh, SBR over here, the great Andrew Young, but yeah. uh, unfortunately, um. You know, pay the bills, which I'm not upset about, but uh, yeah, one day. Yeah, so you're off to a racetrack this weekend. Of course, week four of the supercars at Sydney, you'll be uh, working on the S5000s. Probably should review week three, though, first before we start talking about week four. Gee, was, there was a bit happening and a bit to digest throughout that entire weekend. We got pretty much much of the same, didn't we, with the guys up front, except a fantastic win for young Will Brown, who Probably could have had three wins under his belt had his pit crew not have messed him up a couple of times, but he's got one anyway. Yeah, clearly the best race of the three that we've had at Sydney Motorsport Park so far. I don't think you get any argument with that. With the various levels of storytelling unfolding around it, the Will Brown plot, obviously one of them, as you mentioned, had that opportunity at Sydney Motorsport Park to win, was denied, had it again in week two, was denied, um, but was just outstanding throughout the course of the weekend and to the full credit of Erebus, they nailed the pit stops, but then the, the, the plot continued to evolve beyond that. There was the DJR cars out of tires in the third race and were anonymous for the first time in, in three weeks. Yeah. They were nowhere in that last race after dominating the weekend to that point. And um, Will Davison didn't even make the, the top 10 and we'll talk more about poor old Wilbur in a couple of minutes, but uh, the, the great plot of the triple eight, into Team Barney, which was fantastic. I think we all love it when those two cars crash into each other, and boy, did they have a red-hot go at doing that. Was that it was... theatre or was it serious? Uh, oh, no, it was serious. I think it it's serious. serious. It's serious. It, it, the the whole, oh, they hate each other, oh, this is going to boil over, I, I don't think, think that's probably serious. blown over because yeah. it was interesting in the back of shot when they were um, – I think it was they were chatting Probably to Will Brown. Will Brown, you, yeah. you saw Jamie and Shane have a big hug yeah. as they were celebrating. So that they're okay. They'll they'll debrief it. You got Dado saying, "Oh, I'm going to be sacked," and rah rah rah. That that's all a little bit of theatre, but the, the stuff on track is dead serious. Jamie wants to smoke Wing Cup in the final few races, and while he's a shot at winning the championship, like he wants to have every opportunity to keep winning motor races and go out on an absolute high, which he's doing. This is the best retirement season anyone in supercars has ever had, I reckon. 
because he's second in the championship only to his teammate who is the most informed driver in the sport at the moment. And he's doing an outstanding job. He's won two races. He's been on the podium 10 times. It's a huge season from Jamie's. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. And the storylines go on, but it was a terrific motor race. Just the way it built and all that drama at the end. It was, it was what we've been looking for for the last three weeks. I think. Mm. I think uh, unpack the triple eight stuff in a sec. First of all, Will Brown. There's a storyline there. Like, first of all, Richard, the last birthday party I had was uh, impromptu through by a publican from Toowoomba. So you can imagine <laughs> what the party in Toowoomba would have been like. No. Over, you know, like they celebrate uh, an inconsequential 38th birthday or whatever it was in Toowoomba. That would have gone absolutely nuts when their biggest citizen went out there and smoked it. It's great for the sport, isn't it? Because yeah. that's it's always the the worry about the sport is who's going to be next. When Lance was still out there racing full time, when he retired, who was going to take over? It had to be Scott McLaughlin. He had personality. David Reynolds, he stepped up too. You know, he went and won Bathurst. He finally got some some runs on the board after showing all that promise for all those years. Now Reynolds is on the bench and you've got this other emerging big personality. He's great value. He's very likable. How can you not like Will Brown? Well, Gus Tander even called him Craig Lance 2.0 after the race. The smiling assassin 2.0. He just, he just, he's always smiling, having a great time. You know, obviously a few of those uh, pit stop blunders uh, sort of uh, put him on the back foot a couple of times there, but he's been scoring podiums. He's been in great form these last few weeks and, for him to actually be out there jamming results in the board is, um, re- I think it's a great thing for the sport. How about Erebus? I mean, at the start of the year, they were nowhere. We Massive all had them it. pitched nowhere. Yeah. Mm. And here they are. They're, they're up there. They're top three. Yep. Yeah, you reckon the uh, the big break gave them an opportunity to sit back and actually have a look at where they were at and, to, to coin the phrase, had a good hard look at themselves. And they've really turned it around from there, I think. Yeah, but even before that, though, Shebex, they were decent. They were probably mm. more yeah. decent than they thought. Like, you go through Will Brown's results, and, and both he and Brody had... Well, you, you know my thoughts on that. Well, you <laughs> called it an absolute disaster, which wasn't even close to the mark, I don't think. But, um, like, Will Brown, 16-14 at Mount Panorama, but Brody went 11-12, which I reckon was way ahead of where we thought they'd be. Anyway, yep. just to be on the back end of the, the top 10. Uh, you know, the second place at Sandown was rain-assisted for sure, but it was a terrific drive and well-earned. But he backed that up with 10th at Simmons Plains. And then Brody had a ninth, a fifth, and an 11th at the Bend, which was probably the most complete weekend that he'd put together. But, of course, Will Brown at Simmons Plains had gone ninth and fifth in the first two races there. So the, the, the signs were there. Um and, you know, Hidden Valley, they were strong. Townsville, they were hot and cold. Like Will Brown went from 18th to 5th in the two 250k races. So uh, a little bit bipolar in terms of the results there. But you get that in 250k races every now and then. But, yeah, look, since they've landed in Sydney, I mean, Will's gone 5th, 11th, 2nd, 11th, 6, 6, 3, 8, 1 in the last mm. three ra- yeah. uh, last six races. Uh, and Brody's been slightly more inconsistent. And his week two in Sydney was... Quite strange because it, it went 23-20 DNF. So that was the blip on the radar, I think. But um, rebounded last weekend with 4th, ninth, and 11th, which at the start of the season, if you'd said, oh, Brody will finish three races at around all three of them in or just outside the top 10, you'd go, well, that's awesome for a rookie season with a team that's had to completely retool over the offseason. 
Um, but they have been legitimate contenders for three weeks straight now. Every single weekend, they've been fast. The, the trick for mine will be, can they back that up on the mountain? But you go back over the last couple of years, one in 2017, should have won in 2018. Mm. Like their track record recently is pretty decent there in terms of car speed. So, you know, all of a sudden, the old Will Brown, Jack Perkins combination, that yeah. speed of Will Brown and Jack's, you know, he's had more than 10 back of starts now. He's got heaps of experience up there. That's a decent combo. Like, did that's you le- a really did, decent combo. Did you legitimately put cash money on that six months ago? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Oh, a lot of ago. talk. No, a lot of talk. No, there was. And, you, uh, and regrets but, too. But it's on record as saying, I, I did definitely say it on this podcast that they were my early season smokies when it was announced. Yeah. And isn't yeah, that going to pay off when they win it in two weeks' time? Hey, uh, one team that hasn't seemed to improve at all in the last three weeks, Mark, is Tickford. Seems to be some troubles down at Campbell Field, especially when your uh, press release for the team comes out praising your lead driver finishing seventh. Not ideal, is it? You know, no. they, haven't, they haven't figured it out. Obviously, that first race with uh, JC being spun out at the first turn and then uh, LeBrock accidentally cleaning up waters and uh, the 19th, 20th, 21st and and just yeah, they obviously found a bit more speed towards the end. Whether they just had some more tyres up their sleeve, I don't know. It was the same deal the previous weekend where they came a bit better in the final race when a lot of the guys were arguably out of tyres. You know, you look at DJR, they were doing those four tyre stops, which got Anton those first few wins, and that obviously burned them up. They had nothing left for the final race. So, I mean, you can say that they were inconsistent, but they just played all their cards in those first couple of races yeah, dramas there. I mean, it's not it's not what we expect from them. They can turn it around. They've, they've Well, not for three weeks in a row. Yeah, exactly. They've had the yeah. opportunity to figure it out, haven't they? It's yeah. not like anything's changed. This weekend's going to be interesting. Obviously, different format with the races, but uh, a weird one with the tyres because they're throwing one set of super softs at each of the races. How that's going to pan out, they're not going to get any practice, no qualifying, no use of these tyres at all. So they'll have absolutely no idea how they'll respond. So that's going to be interesting. You know, whoever bolts them on first in that first race uh, Saturday is going to be a pioneer. So the Tickford thing's really interesting. And the, the fall from grace is remarkable. So Cameron Waters came into this Sydney swing. I don't think we'd say he was the informed driver in the championship, but he was certainly he was certainly driving better than I think everybody had seen him drive, right? So we talked about this after tail and Ben that he'd finally grabbed the mantle as team leader. And, and it was the cam waters that we've all been expecting to find. And it probably wasn't until Bathurst last year that we went, ah, there it is. That's the, the Mostert rival, the guy that can go punch for punch with Van Gisbergen yeah. that we've been wanting to see that the talent has been indicating that's in there, but hasn't been delivered yet. And so much of it, of course, is the package you've got to drive. Um, did such a good job at Tail and Ben, was strong at Hidden Valley. Townsville one was average, eighth and sixth, the 250k races there, which won't fill them with confidence going into this weekend. But the way they bounced back was awesome and won the weekend on points, uh, two wins and the 11th in the middle race was an outstanding result. And we're third in the championship. And we were looking at it going, can he get Wing Cup? Can mm. never going to beat Van Gisberg. And I don't think anyone thought that, but can Tickford beat? and split the triple eight cars because that's the, uh, the Tickford 
that we used to know from the full performance racing days when they yeah. would would bash on and would be the next best or beating them with Mark Winterbottom championships. Um, Cam Waters is now fifth in the championship. He hasn't scored a podium since July. Um, but more than that, he is now only nine points in front of Anton Di Pasquale, who is the form driver in the championship and has won five of the last seven races, uh, so, eight races. So he's going to be sixth coming into Bathurst in the points, which is from third, potentially second. That is an enormous tumble yeah. down the leaderboard. So in 20 races at Sydney Motorsport Park, Cam Waters has never led a lap and never finished better than sixth. Mm. But you think back to last year at the bend coming into Bathurst, he was a winner there yep. and he had all that momentum behind him, rolled up to Bathurst and Tickford were on fire. They had great pace. He wound up finishing second in the race. What's going to happen this year? I mean, will Tickford be able to replicate their Bathurst form at Bathurst or are they carrying forward this momentum that they've had going nowhere from Sydney Motorsport Park? It's not like Sydney Motorsport Park is the opposite end of the scale to Bathurst. You know, mm. those, those fastish corners, sweeping, flowing sort of stuff. You'd think it's in the same but, sort of ballpark, don't but you? But then why was he so good at the bend? Exactly. They, they were great at the bend, mm. really fast. So, and James Courtney, Courtney had a good weekend at the bend as well. Like he went 12th, four, four, eighth at that event. So, which in terms of fast corners is more similar to Bathurst. Like it turns seven, eight, nine is without quite the amount of compression is like McPhillamy mm. Park spec yeah. speed. So the Tickford cars were really handy there, but like they've always been fast at Bathurst and like last year almost won the thing two years ago. What was, was it two years ago? They ended up fenced in the, um, at the chase, you got the photo. And you yeah. win a oh, award yeah. for that, Mark. Yeah, precious memories. Yeah, correct. So, but but they they were two cars in absolute contention to win the 2019 great race. So they've been fast there every year. Um, let's be honest, they're not going to get pole because Anton De Pasquale is going to get pole at Bathurst. I think we all know that now. But um, yeah, like they should be fast. But gee, and like he's got a good co-driver too, who should be really stout. But what Tickford do we get? That's the frustrating thing. If, if you're a Tickford fan, we, I'd love to know what you're thinking. If, if you're a member of the Tickford squad. Give us a call, 135. <laughs> on, the, uh, the, on the grid open line. <laughs> but but ser- in all seriousness, though, hit us up. Because, Shebex, you've worked in football. Yeah. Like, th- this is a team that's been in the top four for the first 12 rounds of the regular season and then just dropped seven games in a row, right? And now they're struggling to stay in the eight and make the finals. And... And if that was a footy team, can you imagine the talkback lines on yeah. SEN or AA in Adelaide or even no? You're right. That, that they would their members would be blowing up, going, "What is going on with this team? We started so well. What is going on?" And generally, generally, you would only see a form reversal like that for two reasons: mm. one, injuries have mm-hmm. cooled the team, and your A graders and your top B graders are out, and all of a sudden you can't compete anymore. That's one reason. The other reason is, is that something's going on. There's, there's got to be some sort of, I don't know, disharmony is the word, but there's, there's got to be some reason as to why this team has lost that form. Well, yeah, and, and hasn't been able to find it in three weeks at the same track. You're never going to have yeah. a better opportunity to tune your car. I, we, uh, we all know and like the company of Mitch Robinson, who's the team PR at Tickford, and your heart breaks for someone in that role because that's a very very difficult job um 
one of the funniest moments of the weekend was the Tickford tweet, which was just, oh, no. <laughs> I think it made the power rankings. It, yeah. it, like, seriously, that just summed up their entire weekend. Yeah. Oh, no, which was when LeBrock fenced um, Waters in the first race on the weekend. So uh, that just sums up their last three rounds, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. On the subject of I know, that triple eight battle, what's your take on I don't know. Jamie Winkup, he's the greatest of all time. He's won Bathurst four times, won seven championships, and he, he wants to keep winning, and he's obviously still sharp. But it was his captain call there, and he's been he's made infamy out of his captain's calls at Bathurst 2014, Bathurst 2015, on the weekend, not listening to the bunker. The bunker said, hey, Shane's coming through with a rate of knots here. Tack onto the back of him, and we'll finish one too. And Jamie's gone, Oh, no, I think I can win this. And he didn't let him through. It was a captain's call and it didn't pay off. They lost a win because Jamie made his own decision up. What's your take? I mean, but saying that, how many captain's calls has he made over the years that have won him races? Well, he's won 120 exactly. four races. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. On, a, on a percentage rate, he's, he's batting like 98%, isn't he, really? Um, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, and genuine racing is fantastic, and we'd love to see it, especially between teammates. As long as they don't take each other out, there was an opportunity there where Shane went just a little bit. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? He got he got <laughs> driven off track three times in no. one lap. <laughs> Magic. Uh, no, it was interesting. It, it was interesting, and I think if they had their time again, I reckon Jamie probably does exactly the same thing. I don't think he changes yeah. anything. Agreed with you. Hundred percent agree with you. They, they would have gone to that debrief. And Dado would have said, "Rightio, this is what just happened." And Jamie goes, "Yes, yeah, so what? If yeah, he's going to win, he's going to pass blokes. And if I'm one of those blokes, he's going to pass, and so be it." And the but- other thing, Jamie would have dragged up the championship points table and gone, "Look, he's 350 odd points in front. Exactly. If he finishes second or third or wins the race, it's not going to change the game. He's still going to win the championship next but I've weekend." But I've got two. I've got two race weekends left. Yeah, let me have some fun. Yeah, I, I, that's I, what I, I said at the start. Was it more theatre? Than, than serious. And I, I, no, I think it was serious. Yeah. I, I 100% think it was serious. But I, I think it's such a different, it's a really different scenario to Bathurst and the whole fuel drama because oh, yeah. that, that was a solo call that cost them a race win. Yes, absolutely yes. it did. Um, but in the bigger picture, you know, it didn't really change much. Well, I, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm not quite sure how to explain it. But it was it was a single call that he made that impacted that car. the The whole thing on the weekend, I think, was a, it was a team thing. But the the penalty for what happened for that battle was relatively small, I suppose. What I'm trying to say, it didn't. They didn't lose the Bathurst 1000 because Jamie tried to put Shane but, on the wrong side of the road. So that's the thing, and and. And Jamie's a smart enough racer, Mark, that he would know in the back of his mind that Shane had 300 points up his sleeve. If Shane was 20 points in front in the championship. Different scenario. And it wasn't Jamie in second place. 100% he would have let him sail through. 100%. Because Jamie's team cap would have gone on and gone, oh, well, we've got to win this thing. Every point will count. But in in the biggest storyline of the season, Shane's going to win the championship this weekend. Jamie's still going to be second. The fans got a great show. There were more Red Bull footage at the end of that race and not as yes. much of Will Brown. It was and it was a great 
it was a great for the sport moment, I think. I agree with you 100% on all of that. But on but. that lap that <laughs> that Jamie drove him off the track three times, the first one over the top of the tunnel there, when Van Gisbergen's out in the dirt sideways, comes spearing back on, that could have written off both cars. It was so close to riding off both cars. And the story, everything you just said would be completely irrelevant. Like, mm. what, what would the look be there if both cars were wadded up and had to be sent back? Yeah, why, didn't, why didn't Shane lift? Well, and I agree with you there. Shane, Shane gave as much as Jamie was giving. Mm. At no point did Shane hold back and say, all right, all right, no problems. I, well, I know could, where you're coming from here. He could have he bailed. He gave it just as much. But that's, that's not in his nature. And, no, correct. But, exactly. And it comes back, it's great that there's still egos out there, isn't it? Because mm. that's what it was all about. It's like, yeah. hey, I'm... And then Barry Ryan afterwards, uh, instead of talking about his guys, is like, how good were those Red Bull yeah. guys carving the <laughs> other up, which was brilliant. It, it gave him the win. 100% gave him the win. It was fantastic. No, I thought it was great. You, you know what, though? And I love, and we spoke about this last week, I love the fact that the championship will be wrapped up this week because what we saw from those two means that anything is up for grabs at Bathurst. Everything's on the line. There won't be a championship. It'll just be pure racing. Well, all right. So let, let's just theorize a little bit here. And I don't know how we would cope with the kind of stress that this might cause. But imagine it's the la- that is the last lap of the Bathurst 1000. Oh, so Garth, Garth's done his job. Craig's done his yeah. job in 88. Uh, and it's Wink Up v Van Gisbergen on the last lap of the race in Jamie's final full-time drive. Oh. The retirement tour. Shane's wrapped the championship up. He doesn't care. He'll park the thing in the fence if he has to. Like, if you're sitting in third place at the moment, that'll be bloody Will Brown and Jack Perkins will be sitting in third and they'll, they're going to win another race because of Triple Eight. That's what will happen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, can I make a suggestion? If it is getting anywhere like that towards the end of the race, you turn your radio onto ABC and listen to Richard Crowell go <laughs> off his dial. Oh, well, Shebex, I think the race is going to finish after 6.30. So uh, Grand- oh. ABC Grandstand's off air at 6.30. So uh, as good as Karen Ty, the wonderful Karen Ty has been in giving us lots of airtime in uh, over the last couple of weeks. I think we'll miss the finish of the race by about well, 10 laps. Then but- stay tuned stay tuned to Fox Sports or Channel 7 because Skatey yeah. will be going off his absolute dial. Yeah, I imagine the, the Crompton Rev Limiter. That'll, you know, it's serious. On that, Richard, how many times have you watched that national anthem side by side split screen on supercast.com this week? Because oh, I have, and 50, I've cried. 50, 12, yeah. I've cried a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been doing lots of, uh, lots of vegetables this week, my healthy <laughs> diet, lots of onions in my house. Yeah, that was a lovely moment, wasn't yeah. it? And, and full credit to Supercars. The whole family round thing, probably in the lead up. I don't know. The, the whole photo thing was a bit strange of the, the dress up. I, I didn't get the family link to that. It wasn't 1970s Ron Burgundy round. It was family round, but they absolutely nailed it on the weekend with Sienna Crompton doing the, the anthem um, with Jess uh, Yates and Luke Egan's daughter waving the green flag at the start mm. of the formation lap, gave Barney from iRacing a run for his money there. I'll tell you what, she was outstanding. Um I thought that was really nicely done. And then supercars rolling that split screen video on the Monday afterwards. Oh, wow. That was great. And how's the, the old pro just gets himself together and plows on with the Hino hub afterwards. Just, yeah, that was, um, that was a difficult one. And actually, how about Jack Tunnicliffe? Yes. Oh, what a superstar. <laughs> bit of, bit of payback there from uh, years of uh, David, his father, who was on, on the grid a couple of weeks ago, the senior producer at supercars TV. 
bit of payback there, I think, to Uncle Neil and Mark. Just, uh, hey, Mark, why, why do you keep calling it the fastest corner in the sport? What's a sheep station? <laughs> What's a sheep station, Neil? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it was very, very well done. Yeah, good stuff. So what are we expecting from the two 250K races this week? Pretty much the same? Oh, was, well, the, the 250k races tend to throw different stuff up, don't they? And, and there's more options for different strategies and a bit of variation. Looks like it's going to rain Yep. again. again. So I think 80% one day, 90% the next. That's going to be particularly interesting. Um, night I think racing? That, yeah, night racing Saturday night, which will be great. Um, you'd think a 250k race in the rain at night will be slightly less intense than what we saw a week ago. W- will it, though? Well, I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know. Um, but, but if I go out on a limb, do you know what, with, with the car speed and strategy and things like that, I'm going to throw a big result the way of Nick Burkett this weekend, uh, at BJR. He's just been so impressive over the last couple of events and only got the one podium out of it. He's been fourth on four occasions. So nearly, nearly has come away with a lot of podium finishes from this swing. So um, he's been stalking. There's no doubt about that. I think a big result on the card there. And I'll tell you what, the other, the other smokies I'd throw out there for this weekend. Now they're starting to qualify. Well, team 18, team 18 are quietly impressive and have been for the last week. So you look at Scott Pye's last two events, he's gone ninth, fifth, 18th, not great. Six, 12, six. So that's a pretty decent run of really solid top 10 results. Yeah. But I, I think they're always better in the races than they are in qualifying. So if they can qualify well, they're, they're going to be absolute threats for a podium. He and Mark Winterbottom over a 250K distance. So Sunday, 95% chance of 15 to 35 mil. Obviously, we're mm. recording this Tuesday night. Normally, Wednesday morning, the, the news comes through that something mm. radically different is going to happen. So completely ignore that. We don't uh, want rain, though, do we? Because we want that so, super soft to become a factor. No, nah, well, it'll be a factor on Saturday. Yeah. It'll turn out to be a non-factor. I'd prefer to see rain. I think that opens it up a whole lot more. My question, Will Davison, can he finally get a win? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh god well, i want to How say frustrating yes. i really want to do? say yes i just what's he got to do there's, there's four cars i put ahead of him at least yeah yeah i i don't know what's going right there what what's going on at car 17 like it, it's is it a one car team running two cars it's hard to say because will's had a really good run of podium finishes this year and it's hard to say when you're leading a race um and you're in contention to win, but why was Anton so much better with four tires, four laps older? Mm. That that's the million dollar question for mine in race 27, the second race on the weekend. That was absolutely baffling, and and Will was just gutted after that. So there's clearly more to the story that we haven't seen yet. Um, he needs a win massively. Yeah, uh, it it'd be such a good story if he can finally win. It, remember the last time he won was Bathurst 2016. Like 1800 days ago plus it's been a long time between drinks he's still remarkably competitive but it must be starting to grate that he hasn't quite got there especially given he's three spots ahead of anton in the championship um but anton's won five races in the last seven or eight and, and yeah. anton's had blotto on five races as well so i mean imagine mm-hmm. if he didn't have those dnfs and the yeah. disqualification where he'd be yep yep and we get to I see hope he wins, we get to see a full round of supports as well. 
this weekend? Yeah, the big story, S5000. So the Tasman series kicks off. And as it was in the late 1960s, there's an international affair, Shibeki, this weekend, which is cool. So um, Yoshi Katayama, who's won the national class up in Japanese F3, will be coming down, which is great. Yep. And Roberto Mary is the one that I'm particularly interested to see race and had the fortune to chat and interview Roberto at the Ben Motorsport Park at the start of 2020, which was only 37 years ago um, <laughs> when he finished second in the Asian Le Mans series event there, which was a really good performance. Um, lovely guy, Spaniard, but spent a year in Formula One with Mana Marussia Racing in 2015. So he's won the F3 Euro Series, the FIA Formula 3 Cup. He's raced and won races in FIA Formula 2. He's currently racing LMP2 cars. Uh, in Europe, so he's a gun. He's a proper professional, real great racing car driver. Yeah. Run out of descriptive words there, um, and he's driving with Team BRM, who are the best open wheel team in the business in Australia in, in wings and slicks racing. So that's really exciting. It, it's kind of a cruel irony, though, boys, because the New South Wales uh, border restrictions are such that Roberto can come in from Spain as long as he's fully vaccinated. Yoshi can come in from japan as long as he's fully vaccinated um volante rosso racing who are led are based in sydney but are led out of queensland by josh hunt aren't running because josh can't go back to queensland afterwards okay which is strange and there are two new zealand drivers that would have been on the grid but because of the new zealand quarantine situation haven't been able to run so it's a really it's a strange strange planet when you can come from spain to race but you can't come from queensland so it's a strange one, but that's that's the scenario we're in. And there's some international content, 50 grand up for grabs for the winner of the, the Tasman series, 12 cars on the grid, which is decent. Um, and they're all good cars. They're all going to be really competitive. So really looking forward to, to jumping behind the mic with that Shebex and the big banger wings and slicks cars, which is going to be a great fun. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. What else have we got? We've got TCR. No, Trans Am. Trans Am, sorry, that's right. Mm. That'll be interesting. Moff having a step up there. That'll be good. Yep. Yeah, Baguana running as well. So there's some good surnames in that field. It's a great category, boys. Oh, That's a cars. terrific class. Mm. Yeah. Well, mm. we've said it. We've said it a couple of times. I don't know if we've said it on the program. But we've definitely said it off air that if supercars ever didn't happen with supercars and you just use Trans Am as your main category, you'd get away with it. They're great cars. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're terrific. They do nines at Bathurst. Um, and you could make them do sixes without any trouble whatsoever, but um, it's just really good raw, raw racing. And and had the fortune to call a couple of races up there at Easter at the Bathurst Six Hour with Nathan Hearn and Aaron Seaton boxing on in every race, and it was just awesome. Yeah, really good racing. Toyota Audi Sixes plus Super Two slash Super Three, thirty-one cars with Super yeah. Two yeah, slash Three, freedom. which is good. Very good. Excellent. Lot to look forward to this weekend. Uh, before we go, quick thoughts on uh, the weekend's racing at Interlagos. Oh, oh fourteen points. Good Hamilton bloke, he? Fourteen points. They're boxing on again. It was I good. S- yeah. I swear, this time last week, you were there saying it was a Red Bull track. Red Bull's going to well, win, and well, that's going to put that a doubt. Well, where was Verstappen when Lewis passed him? He was leading oh, the race, so it was turning right. Well, yeah, <laughs> turning right, left cutting him off the road. <laughs> It was great. Well done, Michael Massey, for letting them race. Thought that was good. Great stuff. Uh, that just didn't inspire drive from Hamilton, wasn't it? You know, they they copped the penalty for an engine change, so clearly had a bit of extra mumbo 
which helped the cause. But like, he was just in one of those moods where he's unbeatable. And that's why he's one of the greatest of all time. He produces drives like that. It was extraordinary drive. Yeah. Unbelievable drive. And yeah. he had a bit, bit too much wing in qualifying as well. Yep. Yeah, well, exactly right. Rebounded from that, which was tremendous. It's great. World Championship is phenomenal. Um, overtaking opportunities at Qatar look less than they are at, at uh, Interlagos. So that'll be an interesting one to see how that plays out for the brand new track to Formula One. And then Saudi Arabia, assuming they finish building the racetrack, that's another brand new circuit. Um, I saw a lap from the Formula One game. Oh, I saw it on motorsport.com. I saw it. It looks shocking, racetrack. Anyway, we'll see. It might turn out you to reckon? be a gem. Yeah, it looks awful. Fast, though. How many fifth and sixth gear corners do you need in a lap, Shebex? Yeah, well, I, I know. You can't I, overtake on those corners. No, no, you can't. You're up as quick. Anyway, it was good. And uh, what about Remy Gardner? We, we, yes, we should talk about that. Mm. Well, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What about Valentino Rossi? <laughs> yes, uh, congratulations. For a career... That's gone that long at the top tier of motorcycles. For him to walk away from it, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, li- and literally walk away. He's still got all his limbs attached. Yeah. Which is remarkable. Yeah, and that, I thought the send-off was very nicely done, as always, by MotoGP. So, yeah, Gardner wins. Rossi retires. Jack Miller had a podium. Jack and Miller's coming racing. to the band. Yeah, I know. Bathurst weekend, which is pain, because otherwise I'd get out there and <laughs> we'd get him on the grid, because he'd be a good chat. And plus, Dale Rogers, a friend of the show, loves superbikes. So I'd, I'd like to include a bit more superbike content. So well, I think that's fantastic. Really good. No, fantastic stuff. It certainly is. Boys, always great to catch up. Look forward to wrapping up what promises to be a very, very exciting two, 250k races at Sydney. Well, we, we've got to have a, a board level discussion, Shebex, about how we do our Bathurst preview because of the weird timing of this Bathurst event. We're on yeah. track on Tuesday when we normally record our show. It's way too late by then. Yeah. So uh, maybe like next week's show, I'm just throwing it out there for everyone to hear. Um, maybe it's like a review preview, massive special on the grid, super duper explosive two hour special. Ooh. I don't, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just, I'm just pitching ideas. Catch them if you like, drop them if you don't. But anyway, something to think mm. about. Yeah, That's the quirks yeah. of the 2021 schedule. Whenever we record it, you know that the news is going to drop the next day. Well, yeah. expect by the time you're listening to this to know who will be driving the Penrite car, for example, at Kelly Grove Racing, because we have no uh-huh. idea as of Tuesday night. Sure, it will be announced Wednesday morning. Matt Campbell. Has yeah. To be. yeah, surely. Surely. Watch it not be Oh, Matt for Campbell. this weekend you're talking about? <laughs> no, this weekend. Luke can't do this weekend. Yeah, no, no. The, yeah, yes. So, yeah, yeah we're yep. just waiting. All right. So, Matt coming off a win at... Uh, Once again, I won't. I won't record the news until Wednesday morning. No, I think just send it and we can be wrong again. I think it's becoming fantastic. Thanks to Doric Guy. Yes, yes, the Doric Guy. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, guys. And thank you for tuning in to On The Grid. We'll catch you again next week.